Welcome to Tech Breakfast, today's top headlines served hot by your host Aaron Bewley and Tyler Gates. So grab your coffee and let's get into it. Today is Monday, May 4th. Here's your obligatory, may the 4th be with you. <laughs> I saw a funny tweet this morning with Chewbacca washing Han Solo's hair saying, always wash your Hans. <laughs> but I hope y'all are staying safe out there. Uh, remember to wash your Hans and don't touch your face. <laughs> that is a lame joke. All right. Uh, before I introduce our guest today, I wanted to give Tyler just a second because he got some interesting news on Friday. Tyler, what's going on, man? Yeah, so uh, I am officially transitioning out of VMware's HCI business unit, and uh, I'm going to, to be a core pre-sales engineer here in Dallas, um, supporting some of our uh, local accounts in a big way, and I'm really excited about it. It's going to be a, a great you know, diversity of experience opportunity for me, and uh, it's customers I've been working with for a long time, so I get to go learn a whole lot more about their business and tie it back to a lot more of what VMware is doing because we're doing a lot of stuff. So I'm pumped. Yeah, that's awesome, man. I love the opportunity coming at you. And one of the neat things that we always focus on uh, or, or that most people are thinking about is how do I keep growing and learning and challenging myself? And I think this will be great for you, man. I'm excited. Yeah, it, it, this is one of those experiences for me, right? Like it's not so foreign that I'm completely freaking out, but it totally fits into the just I'm scared to get started on this because it is going to be such a big challenge, right? And, and I remember just a long time ago, somebody told me, and this came up in the interview process too, but it's like, if you're not a little scared about what you're getting into, you're probably not looking at the right opportunity. And so the breadth of VMware's portfolio and my knowledge or limited knowledge of some of the stuff on the fringe, I say fringe, the big parts of our business now, I have so much I have to learn so fast that I'm freaking out, but that's, that's what gets all my hamsters going fast. So I'm excited about it. Awesome, man. And today on the show, we have Paul Brerin of tinkertry.com. And I can remember the first time I met Paul at a, uh, I think it was a Dell tech world or Dell EMC world or VM world or whatever, one of those. <laughs> and uh, I was, I was filming something and he was like the inspector gadget of like all these, you know, there was this microphone that plugged into the phone and, uh, he just kind of blew my mind. He was like Inspector Gadget right there on the spot. So uh, true technologist, um, always love hearing from Paul and reading his uh, writings. And he's published some YouTube videos I've checked out too. I know he's got a couple Teslas in his garage and he's rigged up some really cool thing to uh, connect power and all that kind of stuff. So uh, a great mind, a great tinkerer. But uh, Paul, great to have you on the show with us, man. Yeah, welcome. Aaron, such an honor to be here. And I was uh, thank you for the very nice intro. And Tyler, I was just chomping at the bit to uh, congratulate you. Having had the honor of working with you in the past, that is awesome news you just broke. Uh, I congratulations. Thank you, thank you. And uh, I share a lot of those same feelings, having started a new career um, myself recently and having to learn from the uh, fire hose that is uh, Dell and having the honor of working um, on some, some of the products Aaron works on and, and many more that I'm learning as well. So I had that same feeling changing jobs, Tyler. I can it's very awesome, much though, what you're saying there. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, like a tingle in your fingertips. <laughs> yep. So definitely changes for both of us last year. So Thank thanks you. for breaking that great news, Aaron. That's awesome. Yeah. So I was reading an article this morning and there was a quote in there from Microsoft's, CT ugh, from Microsoft's CEO can't seem to say that. <laughs> we have seen two years worth of digital transformation in two months. What are y'all seeing that's been changing out there lately? Yeah, I'll start for that one. Uh, for me, well, obviously working from home, it's been part of my career for almost 30 years, at least one day a week. So even in my um, pre many, several previous roles, 
I've always tried to have my home office set up. I'm at a standing desk at the moment, uh, headset, all that stuff, you know, nailed a while ago. So the technology part wasn't too big a deal, but the emotional and the social aspect, pretty much everyone I'm talking to, whether it's a customer or a friend, everybody's going through stuff. And it's, you know, got to be aware of that and think about it and uh, try to reduce the stress of, well, VPN's going or Wi-Fi or cellular going. I had it all in the last two months here in New England. Oh, no. <laughs> one, one day I had AT&T, Verizon, which I both have both of them on my iPhone. So I have dual SIM there. And so I'll both sell towers week and my internet going out. And then finally my power went out all in one day. I'm like, Whoa. <laughs> oh, man. People when working at home are going through stuff, right? So yeah, when you hear a wow. kid or a dog in the background, obviously we're all pretty dang understanding about that stuff these days. That's Murphy's Law to the bullets right there. (laughs) Yeah, wow. (laughs) If it can go wrong, it will go wrong. Wow, that's that's incredible. I've also been playing with split tunnels and everything I can do to be the fastest I can be and the most effective when at home because when you're never at a corporate Wi-Fi, you got to deal with that stuff, right, not just back burner it. So, yeah, I've learned a few things myself there. Um, How about you, Tyler? I bet, yeah. Uh, I've actually seen a ton. Um, I I covered a lot of different customers now, so kind of seeing their responses to this has been interesting. But – I think some of it comes up in the in the headline news, right? Like Walmart announced that they're accelerating their plans to do two-hour delivery and stuff like that. I think that's just a natural, like, well, we were already looking at doing this. We need to do it now. We have to address this concern now. And, and I think I think that sort of paints a, a pretty accurate picture for a lot of companies too, which is they've they've found some reason, or or it's always to your to use your language, Paul, right? Like put on the back burner some of the initiatives that they had when it comes to digital transformation, they've just conveniently put off and they can't now. And so they're just saying, oh no, we we're further behind something that was absolutely critical and that criticality, like there's no getting around it right now. You have to be able to move faster. You have to be able to provide new services. You have to address, uh, you know, what, what might have been sort of a generational divide in ordering food in an app today. Because everybody's doing it, everybody's doing it now, and they, they need, just need it to work, and they need it to work at scale. And so yeah. everybody's – go ahead. Sorry. Well, Instacart, just to throw some facts on that, what you're saying, Instacart uh, hired another 250,000 shoppers. Wow. Amazon is hiring an additional 175,000 delivery people. Uh, the food delivery stuff, which I'd love to kind of dig into a little bit more because I've seen a bunch of different things where uh, the restaurants are pleading, saying, please don't order through DoorDash, please don't order through Uber Eats, all this kind of stuff. But DoorDash is up uh, over 20%. Uber Eats is saving Uber's, uh, you know, bottom line, right? That's, <laughs> That's what it's coming down to. Um, but yeah, it's, it's interesting. Yeah, I think about that as, uh, well, I go grocery shopping for not just myself, but my parents and um, pretty mm-hmm. big responsibility there. And it's like every 10 days or so queue up a list and try to get in and out of there when it's not busy at all and reduce the risk for everybody. Um, but as I see Peapod trucks driving around the street, and this is good, we're adding a little New England flavor, rather uh, Texas-heavy podcast here, so thank you for inviting <laughs> me. But yeah, it, it seems to be similar all over the country, right? We're all dealing with our own stuff in our, in our own neck of the woods yeah. and thinking about how to reduce the uh, risk right now, and, you know, food deliveries and all that. So, so when, I people, when I say people all have anxiety going on in their personal lives, what's happening in the phone calls would be in the enterprise space we have about a dozen plus customers. They're in all different sectors. So that's interesting for me. Some of them are ramping up, cranking up, and looking at purchasing quickly. Others are going to back burner things a little bit. It's a mix, right? It all depends on what kind of customers mix you're working with. Um, and that means as an IT professional, it could greatly affect you, who you happen to be assigned to before yeah, uh, this whole pandemic thing broke, right? So that's the, that's the reality for so many people. Um, 
and not everyone's diversified and, and you know, it's, it's tricky. And this is when people start talking about what their spouses do for a living. Are they working in the same <laughs> kind of career or something yeah. different, right? But or you higher stress, frontline stuff, yeah. Yeah, but you get the bond a little more too when people open up about their personal lives, even with customers who tend to be a little more vocal when you're, you know, meeting them every week in a standing meeting. Sure. Maybe you're doing okay in the Zoom rather than the, the drive time getting there and back, right? All my customers are within about 100 miles, but it's pretty congested here in the Northeast, so kind of a big deal to be able to just hop on the phone. Yeah, no kidding. No travel time, trend, lose all that windshield transfer. Yeah. <laughs> on the flip side, seems to be more Zoom or Citrix WebEx yeah. or um, Microsoft Teams. I'm learning them all, right? You got to have them all ready on your laptop. And, so true. And because uh, customers use different stuff, right? So you got to be ready for all that Skype sharing. It's all there. <laughs> uh, so that, that's what I've with noticed. This, with this grocery delivery stuff, um, I'm curious, Dale's yeah. opinion, because my wife and I don't agree on this. I, I tend to think that. Um, you know, your, your Walmart neighborhood grocery, uh, will eventually just become a warehouse where you can only pick it up outside. You can only order ahead of time or you show up and maybe you're sitting in the parking lot and you tap all the things and there's shoppers inside that grab it and come out and the entire interface will be digital. And if they want to prompt you with different things or whatever, it's all going to be digital. Um, thus saving them the cost and uh, of having to set up the inside of the Walmart for people, right? That'll save costs uh, as well as lowering risk um, for transmitting diseases and whatnot. What do you guys think? Yeah, I'm not sure I agree, but I, I, I'm not having seen the numbers. It's hard to say because I, I think it just comes down to the, the business impact, right? So it's cost related. If you can offset enough costs by not needing to set the store up, uh, maybe, maybe you get to that but i'm fairly certain that the amount of upselling and the more stuff people buy when they walk into a walmart when they're hungry far exceeds the cost of having to put stuff on the shelves in a certain place right think about marketing dollars spent just to get product placement in the right spots uh i know for yeah, me personally i'm a that. nightmare shopping if, if i show up hungry i'm gonna come home with like 300 <laughs> of more food like wh why did you yep. buy that i, I don't know like I looked at the steaks and I said, I want steak. And I just grabbed that one. And it's like a $400 you know, dollar brisket or some ridiculous thing. My wife's just <laughs> curious with me. Like no driving the car this month. No, but seriously, uh, I, think, I think the industry functions by having basically every aisle is just an ad for more stuff. And uh, I, don't, I don't know that they can offset that much in profit by just having cost saving measures internally. I think you're more likely to see something like the automatic stores that, that Amazon's been testing. They still want oh, you to yeah. walk through the store. They just want people to have to interact with people less. I think you're right. Having a captive, uh, having a captive consumer being forced to walk through there. Yeah. You, you caught me on a, uh, a topic that's kind of close to home. My first job was a 16 year old bagging in a supermarket. Got yeah. hired the spot. Same here. Um, Nice. Yep. Wearing my tie and working at the cash register, but no, we didn't touch the, <laughs> the keys or do any math. We just bagged stuff fast. <laughs> That's what we dudes did back then. And um, helping people with the groceries and load them into their trucks. So yeah, I've thought about this. So I have a certain amount of empathy for those workers who are oh, yeah. while well, standing around the supermarkets now with um, not the, the greatest salaries and uh, masks that might not fit so great or you know, not provided by their employees. It's pretty messy. Um, and, you know, there, people are suggesting maybe uh, tipping those folks and all. But, but anyhow, the logistics, I find the biggest risk as I'm walking through supermarket is just, you know, other people. Um, not 90% are wearing a mask. And it's really hard to uh, stay six feet away or breathe someone's air like they're passing by in the aisles. And they have, mm -hmm. you know, tape arrows in the aisles. I don't know if, what Texas is doing in a 
say, a super Walmart that has food. So let me focus on uh, Northeast here where it's pretty much a supermarket. We only have a few super centers like a uh, Walmart where there's everything. It's pretty tight and people don't follow the tape on the, on the ground with the, yeah. the, you know, the arrowheads. And that's, that's the risk factor given who I'm shopping for, my parents, right? It's, it's weird being the biggest yeah. risk factor for my parents. So um, you struggle with that because then if you're having someone delivered to your house, well, then you're trusting what they're doing. And you can't just let it sit in your front step for four days like you do with mail or you know, in your, in your four-year house. And my wife's in medical care, by the way, so we're thinking about this stuff a lot. Oh, my gosh, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So we're a little different than maybe most families at this point. We each have our own stories. But um, I do think about what does it mean long term. I see uh, Stop and Shop has parking spots for bringing groceries to your car. Peapod trucks more and more. There's been that trend, yeah. like Aaron was alluding to there, of more and more just uh, if you do a recurring shopping list and you're you know, probably uh, ready to pay online and all that and just buy the same stuff you bought 10 days ago or two weeks ago. Okay. I even got into a fun conversation about my parents and all of us remembering the days of milk delivery and some of yeah. that coming back. Nice. Yeah, because the milk is the thing with first, right? Yeah, sure. first. The milkman is coming back. Yeah, I, I hope that the like the curbside stuff sticks around. Those sort of prioritized yeah. spots where you can order in advance, especially if it's you know takeout food, something like that, where you can just oh, it had to. get the same oh, order as last week and. Well, restaurants, groceries, Home Depot has yeah. pull-up spots for order online, oh, you yeah. know, walking out. Like, everybody on a dime had to change how that works. And some of it, like, the convenience factor is awesome. Off the chart, it's awesome, in my opinion. But is it economical? Is it viable? You know, and I don't yeah. know. I don't know that we have an update on it yet. We're, I think we're about to get it. Like, I think everybody that started doing curbside stuff is going to know real soon whether it's worth uh, the employee – you know, waste the spaghetti chart getting out to, to hand off the food. I'm sure some folks were set up to do that better than others, no doubt. But um, I, I love it in some of the places that didn't yeah. used to have it. Like they figured out their system, they made it more efficient, but they just bring your stuff out and boom, shoot, alcohol. The total wine right around the corner from my house. You pull into a spot and somebody drops a couple of bags in the back of your trunk and it's okay, a couple bottles of wine and, and a, a refresh of my favorite tequila, right? done i'm gone i could do yeah. that everywhere <laughs> it's a strong point the other day it was joanna's birthday and i went over to um nothing bunt cake they sell little mini bunt cakes right and i'm i'm sitting there like chowing on a sonic you know breakfast burrito as i pull into the parking lot and then i look up and there's a lady standing at the window like of my car in the parking lot <laughs> and she's you know i'm right parked right in front of their store and I was like, oh, hey, uh, you know, I have this, you know, buy one, get one or whatever. And she's like, great. Which ones do you want? And I was like, I want the top six flavors. Like 45 seconds later, top six flavors delivered awesome. and I'm gone. Like I didn't even have to get out of the car. It's crazy. So imagine um, the days we had maybe kids in car seats or booster seats or whatever in the back of your car and it's pouring rain, right? I, I think about that situation. And, and you guys mentioned yeah. the you did allude to the cars there, just for, for the record. I have 15 and 60-year-old Honda Civics. My wife and I have been driving <laughs> for like 20 years. So it was a big deal to move to a... Average price of American car, Model 3. That's what we got for my wife. She drives two miles to work. Absolutely fine. Then once in a while, she's driving Perfect. about 60, 80 miles. Perfect, right? It's a good use case. They're actually at that price point, the price of the average American car. So kind of a big deal. But anyhow, um, in those, in any car that an American has, right? Um, the sport utility, whatever, and bad weather. Yeah, yeah when your Some kids are little or they fall asleep, kind of a big deal. You can get the groceries done yeah. while your wife's at work, while the kids are sleeping in the back, and you just go and have them uh, throw it all in your trunk and off you go. Totally into yeah. that and make it a payment. I, I thought about three years at the gas pumps, for instance, the, the dirty handles and how you pay there and how oh, mobile. Yeah. Do you remember Easy Pass with mobile being um, way ahead of everyone else? Kind yeah. of touchless, right? You had a little key fob. You went near the thing, boop, and you're out of there. 
you're still touching the you know gas nozzle. So it definitely has you thinking about everything you buy and what you're touching, especially yeah. like Starbucks and Dunkin' Donuts, where they still yeah. don't have tap to pay right there. Ah, the I know that stuff is so going to reach out the window with their gloved hand and some crazy machine, and they just have not nailed that. I haven't seen any change there, by the way. And I, the drive I, I noticed stuff like that too. Yeah, I, I hope that um, contactless payments are something that go more mainstream coming out of this because that first a, so. similar situation <laughs> you were talking about where it's, you know, minimizing exposure to my parents and stuff like that. Um, yeah. well, the first time I went to Home Depot, I was thinking like, all right, I could probably do this and only touch the product that I need to get. Right. And I wore gloves and I was ready to just peel them off and trash them or whatever. And I'm walking through it. And then as I'm checking out, it's, I have to interface with your device with my hands, which means That's everyone else yeah. had to do it with their hands and the employee standing there. And this was early. Did you use days, your nose instead. Like, yeah. Right. You didn't have to touch it. That's use safe, your nose. Right? <laughs> um, no, but like, like the employees, uh, they weren't wearing masks yet. Cause I hadn't really gone mainstream. Yeah. They had gloves on, but I noticed that like the girl that was checking me out, she checked the person out in front of me wearing the same gloves and then she touched the screen and then she did the thing and she touched the scanner. And so, so I'm just I, like, I'm tracking all this stuff in my head and just thinking like, all right, I'm just going to have to like fog myself down when I get home because the number of surfaces that I had to touch and the number of surfaces that they touch after interacting with somebody else, just like me, who just touched all those surfaces, like, why, why do we have to do it? I should just be able to walk up with a phone in my pocket and like hum a yeah. tune and just be done. Right. Like scan my, and God forbid you care. have to take your, <laughs> God forbid you have to take your kids in the store as well. Oh, and we gosh, all know no. that oh. they touch everything. And then their phones and immediately go to the mouth. Yeah. <laughs> It was the first one week. more story about All the right. register. Oh you my gosh. Check out, sorry, Aaron. It's a real quick story. So I get to the yeah. final item. I'm shopping for our family, my parents, all that. You get to the final item. It's, I think, bananas, where there's this barcode on there. But if you get it too close to the machine, it accidentally tries to read it. And you now need a, a, a human attendee to come over. <laughs> big red light goes off, and they come over. <laughs> what does he do? He's picking up the produce with his bare hands. Of course he is. So I made it through the entire store, and now you've got an employee who's been wherever and, and you can't really discredit him they provide him no equipment no not at all yeah fresh gloves right. for the whole day well and somebody stopped. stalked it like six hours ago anyways right so correct yep no i'm go. with you on that let's, stuff uh, let's uh, grab some of these headlines uh tyler i saw you yeah. drop one in here that was pretty interesting um off of ours so there's a phone called the fair phone so Fairphone and E team up to build an open source sustainable smartphone. Open source Googleless repairable. I like that idea. Yeah, right? I love the repairable. <laughs> Being able stuff. to swap batteries, swap whatever. Uh, Wait, have we you brought that up. That? Uh, what is this? Well, yeah, so uh, obviously I looked at that Android. article, right? But um, it was, uh, I think it, it caught my attention because one of the other days we were doing this, we were talking about the lowest priced. Uh, Apple phone ever, right? Yeah, the iPhone and so, SE. So, like, yeah, okay, I get it. And uh, I'm going to hate on that continuously. But uh, the, the just the, the, the title, right? Like, just stop. It's still a, a $400 or $500 phone. You can get, you know, Google low-end devices for $100. I think those are much more common in other parts of the United States. Um, but, uh, or sorry, other parts of the world outside of the United States in particular. But seeing stuff like this, repairable is a focus open source is a focus like i'm thinking about bringing technology that's as functional as it can be to the masses right and something like this i just thought it was really neat it was a great idea it's really interesting i hope it takes off and it's it's neat to see even something like android is not the focus right so they're they're trying to take the system they're forking it they're creating creating something that's very usable very open and very sort of 
properly decentralized, if you will. Yeah, for me, I'm looking at the article here too, and I'm thinking of one of my, uh, well, repairability. I fix it, right? So one of my sons, yeah, my yeah. older son, definitely into that um, and hands-on stuff. So when a razor mouse of his broke like 10 years ago when he was in his teens in high school, he's finding the wheel for the mouse uh, on some That's crazy great. website and ordering that part and repairing a $40 mouse. Totally cool, right? It's not for everyone. Not everyone's like that, but uh, this definitely appeals to um, people trying to throw less stuff in landfills. And that's but the yeah. easier they make it, the more people it appeals to, right? Like, uh, I right? Think yeah. Look at this, this photo this there. You focus can pop on the back off and. And, and the excuse I feel like a lot of tech companies have had for a long time is, well, we don't want you changing the battery because you might break something or, or some other garbage. Because I think that one by far, how many years, decades, do we change batteries and stuff without screwing it up? Like, there's no good reason to not have a replaceable battery. And if they say it's aesthetic, like, get out of here. Being able to yeah. pop off a little shell on the back, for that matter, look, look at most of our phones. Like, the back is shattered, and that's, it's either like a $200 repair or a new phone just to fix the back of your phone. Now, give me a plate that pops into place, a battery I can pop in and out, which is cool because batteries have new technology all the time too, whether it's higher density or, you know, some of the near field stuff that goes into it. I think it's absurd that we got away from that stuff. No SIM cards, no batteries. Yeah. And then they just go and fill a landfill. It's so irritating. Right. If we could get the modular where you can just upgrade the camera or whatever. Yeah. So oh, there was a Paul, I'm curious. There's some, uh, there's been some conversations around uh, like a feeling of phone fatigue uh, you know, I don't know if it's because of this overload of Zoom all the time. Um, everyone kind of feels chained to their desk right now. Um, but at the same time, all this contact, contact tracing application stuff is coming up. Uh, you know, there's drone surveillance and all that. Kind of, do, do you feel like there's going to be any sort of pullback from technology for, for some people where they choose to step away from their device or go to a not smartphone? Uh, I, I don't know. What are your thoughts on some of that? Wow. I mean, the general public, as far as interest in vulnerabilities that all phones have had over the years, seems pretty much unchanged. Um, even people's attitudes towards uh, maybe Facebook or some of the controversial subjects there. So I don't know if people are really going to change there. They seem to give up on privacy. But as far as the tech, I think people, including younger people, are understanding the social impact of what it's done to us, be glued to a, a glow screen, whether it's small or a large TV or, or those two screens the entire day. It has effects in us humans, right? Um, uh, I've had, I had the, let's see, taking a different take on your question, Aaron. I remember getting to go to uh, Germany for a residency, a, a red book I got to work on. I was there for five weeks. Changed my life to see that people go out to dinner right at 5.30 <laughs> in Germany, and they're there until 8 or 9 p.m. It's a social event where you're, awesome. you're nerd bonding yeah. with five other techs from all over the world sharing stories of what the planet's like. It was awesome, and it was like, okay, this is more what we're evolved to be like actually practicing inner you know talking to other humans and hopefully it helped me get a little better at it and i realized wow this is not a strength or something i'm comfortable doing or sitting in a restaurant for that long right usually eat and you're out of there no no it's part of it you got to get used to it and, and for me that was eye-opening so the phones are kind of tied to that and you even see yeah. the ceo of apple kind of admit yeah our goal is no longer trying to get you more time in front of your screen let's give you some tools and see how many hours you've actually been looking at it and personally, for me, that's been eye-opening, right? Seeing a startling number every week. God, yeah, I don't want to see that number. At time, you could be doing something else, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm, a, more, I'm a consumer and a producer. I like producing content because I, I can read a bunch, but then I'm like, okay, now I'm ready to like spit something out. And I've got like 40 articles in my draft folder, probably never see the light of it. It's just how I am. There's always a bunch of stuff that's in awesome. my brain. 
Um, but yeah. not everyone's like that. Most people are just big and consuming. And so you're prolific, man. You're off the charts. I remember being just absolutely floored by the knowledge that you could spout on on a dime in general, but then also the content you produce. Uh, that you you are a unicorn when it comes to that because it's so in depth, technically accurate. Like it's it's fun. It's great. I don't have a hamster that can write like that. So, and it's always in the head, right? I got hamsters going in twenty different directions. That's how I process all this. <laughs> One of them just goes in circles. No, thank you for those kind words, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a struggle staying. It's kind of the ADD in all of us, right? That can be a struggle to rein in. You're, you're, sure. Right now, you're about to drink from a fire hose and watch a whole bunch of uh, videos. You got to be so uh-huh. motivated there, Tyler. Sit there and yeah. stare at that screen for hours, right, to get through it. Um, and just that yeah. screen, because that distracted exactly. learning, man, does not work for me. It's funny. No, it's you know, I'll multitask in some places. Right. I can do yeah. it well, but if, if I pick up a phone in the middle of a video, I got to go back. 10 minutes it's like well i just uh, lost same way. 10 minutes of processing right so absolutely yeah i gotta dedicate it that's crazy all right anything else grabbing your attention man i, yeah, I, I think we should touch on i got some oh go no no paul please bring it i got some fun ones that are quick but tell us okay, what you got. quick and nerdy but it's just the 14 nanometer thing yeah yeah it bothers me it's been a long <laughs> wait it really it bothers me from a home lab enthusiast perspective um, yeah, so you're talking about uh, Intel's new desktop chips, right? The 10th generation chips? Thank you chips? for bringing me back down to what I should be saying. Yes, the intro no, 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 that, Intel's 10th generation CPUs, correct. And we're, we're making some headway on mobile and all. But for me personally, I like little compact servers. And whether you're talking yeah, about Intel yeah. Nook, where some new ones came out with an older CPU, we're still stuck at 14 nanometer. So ah, the exciting part is AMD lighting a fire under Intel, hopefully long-term, with a real scare and wake-up call. So I'm yeah. hoping this just leads to good things for the industry, because I've been rack mountain you know, servers and stuff for 25 plus years. And I, and there was a mix of AMD back in the late nineties too, um, back in my previous role in a hardware company. So I followed the space for a long time and I find it just kind of baffling how for the last two or three years, I keep having to explain to people, yeah, I don't see a big new motherboard replacing the, the ZND that's been rather popular with home labbers at the moment. It's just um, the ones that came out with cranked up the watt burn, cranked up the heat, cranked up the fan speed. So it didn't impress yeah. me. So I'm waiting wow. for innovation there, not just a stock, you know, speed bump. But I think competition's great for that stuff, right? I think it's, it's required as well. As, as innovative as a company like Intel can be, there's just, without market pressure, we rest our laurels. It's, it's what exactly. corporations yeah. do, right? So yeah, I'm with you. I'm excited uh, to see what comes down the pipe, but that, that's pretty, uh, it's a bummer on the news front, right? Like their latest generation is just not, no frills, right? Yeah, to be frank, I'm talking about a specific market here where they're, they're making more progress maybe on laptop first because that's what's that's know, selling right now. But, you know, yes, uh, Internet of Things, edge computing, these compact devices that don't burn a lot of watts to do your folding at home project for, um, you know, fighting a certain virus. So, so that kind of stuff, yeah, uh, that to me is innovation. Something that doesn't burn a lot of watts doesn't make a ton of heat, yeah. yet people can afford to leave it running. Because here in Connecticut, my electricity is way more costly than you guys in Texas. I'll put it mm. that way. If I really think about that. So when I had handover gear for my one of my previous employers, if I left that thing running all year long, it was seven hundred to eleven hundred dollars electricity a year. There's no way I could just wow. find it in my life. So yeah. I'm buying something for three to five years of ownership, which is what I've been doing in my home lab for the last five years. I definitely put that total cost of ownership, just like my cars. I think about that. Oh, yeah. I drove twenty four thousand miles last year. I was thinking That's about how much penny penny pennies did I spend each mile I drove. Not everyone thinks that way, I know that. The general public generally does not. I do. I'm uh, right so there I with you to, on that one. Yeah, just <laughs> whether it's a cell, a cell phone. Hey, this is about to cost us two grand for the next two years to own this thing because you're paying Verizon or AT&T as well as the phone, right? Sure. Or three Absolutely. grand. 
people just don't, you know, oh. think that way. So that's our jobs, right? Our day jobs to try to sprinkle a little bit of logic into the conversation about, think about what you're about to buy for the next five years and will it be operationally and own it and all. It's not that different than our, our nerd stuff we're talking about here, right? It's, no, no, no. So, yeah. so Paul, being a Tesla owner, and <clears throat> I'm sorry I painted a picture like uh, <laughs> maybe you didn't want right at the beginning where I was like, he owns two Teslas. It's just, yeah. yes, I, I get what you're saying. It's the, the Model 3 and replacing some 15-year-old. Anyway, um, I was just trying to highlight the fact that you're a technologist, like a super nerd in every aspect of your life, and I think it's, it's super cool. Um, so it was no, no shade being thrown there. But uh, I'm yeah. curious, as a Tesla owner, what you think about Elon's tweet from Friday where he said Tesla stock price is too high, in my opinion. Yeah, it's okay. This is a tough one. He does these things, right? He's done it before. And actually, people have done some research saying he's made a similar tweet many times before. This is a pattern with him. So when Bloomberg and others get all surprised, actually, some articles kind of defended like, yeah, this is him, Elon being Elon. Why are they saying that and defending him a little more? Because, well, they're starting to do all right in the market, right? The Model Y shipping well until right. the factories are shut down. I mean, they've got some real promise with the sport utility in that same price range within like 10% of the average American car. The Model Y is a little more than the Model 3. So I don't know. Um, people are a little more forgiving him because he has been shown multiple profitable quarters, no longer on the edge of bankruptcy. But still, the stuff he said, yeah, some of his personal things, it's dumb. And it, and it looks like his house is now listed for sale on Zillow. He wasn't kidding. I'm yeah, selling my physical possessions. He's selling everything. So maybe the SEC having someone read it, this is, I can be careful. He showed his mom <laughs> his tweets. Right? I mean, but he, the he thing what? is, nobody tells him what to do. If his mom were to no. review his tweets, do you think she could tell him any better than anyone else to not do no. that? No. No, no not just at all. Elon yeah. being Elon. Yeah. That's, yeah. So that's right. I don't defend the guy or some of his you know, beliefs about uh, stuff. He wants to open his factory in California and got a little exuberant this weekend about it. He lost that a little bit, is the way I see it. He's yeah. a human. He cares. Right. He tears up in interviews when he thinks about humanity and life and moving other plants and cleaner air. That The dude is not about the money only that most people assume it's all wall street cares about is profitability sure no so we've he's proven he's to... not a robot he's not yeah. a robot. <laughs> <laughs> we just so i don't know what else to say there it's a, a delicate topic you brought up but he he did have a wacky weekend and it's if i i don't own any test stock i make that clear in all my articles i'm trying to write words to say this is what i did in my garage and hopefully it's more compelling to people when they know i don't own any stock that's just me that's crazy me uh me being me but, um, I think it's yeah, great though, no, like the yeah, commentary you've got around, you know, the cost per mile, the total cost of ownership of a vehicle, you know, it's, it makes me want to go, well, I was already going to do this when my car eventually, you know, dies in a fire, right? Because I'm like you, I'm going to drive it until the wheels fall off. But as soon as it does, I'm totally going make to sure assess something like a Tesla. Well, they well, can hey, what? a test drive, right? That's cool. I just said, make sure you're out of the car. I don't know. That sounds like a fun fire. ride. It's fine. <laughs> I could dive roll. Uh, no, I uh, no, I joke. But but just being able to to actually fit that into you know uh, like you say the the average American spend on a vehicle, um, I think their cars bring a lot to the tables in general. And if if they can fit that mold, especially from frugality perspective, like that's really exciting. It's uh, it's cool that that is a future. And I think his success with Tesla is based on chasing that. And, and somebody that's as detail-oriented and analytical as you, basically giving it the stamp of approval and says, yep, it fits the mold, this is affordable, that's exactly why Tesla's taken off. This, we're all different, right? We each have different perspectives. My, my mom growing up, uh, my older brother and sister were born, she had a car, her, her Volvo, I think it was, burned down in the supermarket parking lot. She met a new <laughs> friend that day who lived right in her neighborhood who dropped her to drive her home watching her car burn down. 
Um, my mom and I driving a Saab turbo she had in the 80s. Uh, it almost killed us, carbon monoxide poisoning. We had a splitting oh headache two miles later and we got out of the car. We've had personal stories and then finding my wife having multiple car wrecks where other people hit her. And um, being the number one safest car, um, yeah, Tesla's done a good job of that. They own, they have the top three NHTSA safest cars. So to me, that was honestly the bigger selling point even than the cost per mile is, how do I do this job, which is rather travel heavy, uh, pre-sales jobs are, right? It's Tyler knows, True. last year. Um, in the safest way possible, the least uh, dollars out of our wallet possible, we're still paying off college uh, debt for our kids. So that's the reality for families, They're doing the math, figuring it out could it work. Uh, not that's perfect, but it is nice to have a little uh, hope and thinking about long-term. And I've always been kind of a, a bit of an early adopter and happy to blog about it to help people with some of the rough edges. Like um, That's great. You know, how do you yeah. wire your garage? You have to wire in your garage. Yeah, just helping. Dealing with providing yeah. solutions. It, that's that's all on Ticker Try, right? Yeah, that's all there. TinkerTry.com forward slash Tesla is a cold collection of articles. Nice. Kind of separate than my target ends, but not necessarily, right? Some of the sure. same nerds are thinking about this stuff more like batteries in their house instead of a generator. Yeah, That's for sure. even more spot on than an electric car. I don't even yeah, own I don't have yeah, the, the um, wall charger. I don't even own a Tesla, but just watching that YouTube video of you, like breaking down the exact science to how you have That's the so swing cool. arm and how you bolted it and the, you know, the, the angles and the frame you used and everything. I'm just like, gosh, this is awesome. <laughs> Oh, I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, I was talking about an article where like under $100 of parts from Home Depot can get you a little way to hang the cable off the ceiling so your wife's hands aren't dirty uh, plugging the car in every morning. Nice. It sounds silly, but if you can do that affordably where the thing's hanging from the ceiling, all she does is unhook and plug it in, in about five seconds. Whip. That's the little barrier to entry for a uh, you know, yeah. spousal acceptance factor, significant other <laughs> acceptance. Those are important That's little right. things. Because she couldn't give a crap about the technology, really. She needs to get her to work. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> But, that's yeah, that's my yeah. that's my wife too you know she she's just yep. like why are we even looking at this right and then once she finds the creature comforts and she's like okay i get it thanks but but yeah generally it's just like why why even do the research why are you doing this <laughs> to, to close that out aaron it's a controversial like polarizing topic which is not ideal but one thing i would just ask test drive before someone buys the next car and it, it, it changes your mind it totally sold my wife i didn't sell my wife the first test drive did it the comfort of the seats, everything she was. Now we're coming from Honda Civic. We're not BMW or Audi owners. That person's perspective is completely different. Yeah, they, you know, I, I get it. Or you know, it's everyone's different. No, even still, man, there's nothing. There's nothing like a Tesla interface. I, I mean, there's nothing like it. It's insane. You're about the UI, the go, yeah, and the screen. Yeah, 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 like yeah. The, yeah. The, the UX of the whole the whole thing is. I mean, nobody's even close. I don't own one yet, but uh, it's, someday, it's incredible someday. for sure. I was sold. <laughs> They're a funky company right. that, you know, text-to-speech and all was late, too. If you have a traveling salesperson who's not as into being a nerd like me, that was a deal-breaker. Like, the car needs to read a text message when you're driving down the highway without you taking your eyes off the road. And yeah. they finally nailed that. So they're strangely behind in some little things. So I'm a full-disclosure guy, and I tell you the warts and all, right? That's, that's how I am. That's it should okay, be. Okay, Aaron. Thank you. Sorry. <laughs> Keep derailing. <laughs> yeah, no, no worries. Your, that's the point. Uh, we're about out of time, though, Tyler. Give me, give okay. me your last couple of uh, interesting things here. Oh man, uh, one one article I just got a laugh out of, and it was great. So apparently, uh, there's a programmer um, in in the UK who was working on ATMs in the 70s, and he uh, nearly released code that, with a single sensor failure, would have resulted in the full evacuation of all monies in every ATM. So uh, he was he was testing his code and and they just didn't tell anybody like somebody found it and he was like dude if this widget breaks you know it's gonna empty the safe on the street and he was like wow that's bad and he kind of like rehashed it and just quietly went off into the night so the title of the article is you know like 
the UK has no idea how close it came to just like massive banking failure because of ATM, fit, uh, you know, bugs basically. And it, it that, just cracked me up. That would have been a resume generating event if there ever oh, was. For sure. <laughs> All ATMs ejecting money everywhere. <laughs> yeah, dude, you're out. <laughs> Oh, it's great. And it just totally went under the wire. Like, nobody's like, yep, that's the worst bug I've ever programmed. Glad somebody oh, caught man. it. Later. And this predates OS2 for crying out loud, right? We're talking early 70s. This is a hilarious article. Thank you, Tyler. Yeah, oh, it's a great article. Yeah, definitely go read it. See, that's the kind of article where we're going to have to start putting this stuff in our show notes. But uh, um, but we do have links. So so if we get some demands for this stuff, we're, uh, it's not all cool. off the cuff, right? We got uh, We got the headlines in tow. But that okay, one, you got I anything, got a good laugh out of that. You got anything space-based? Always, always. There's always at least one astronomical thing, right? Uh, yeah, right, so um, uh, what was it? it um, Astronomy.com, actually, uh, they, they've got a sort of day-by-day what you're not going to be able to see as we move out of the, you know, the winter months into spring, summer months. Um, visibility obviously changes just because of uh, degrees of attitude, et cetera. And so they've actually got a day-by-day what, what's disappearing from the, the winter constellations. And uh, I found that very interesting. I, I, I like to read about what I should be going outside to look at, but I know a lot of you know, amateur astronomers and a lot of people in general. There's a lot of stuff that's visible to the naked eye. Um, a lot of stuff that's visible even with just a, a pair of binoculars, stuff like that. And uh, they really list like where to look, uh, what, what parts of the world you should be able to view stuff in. So um, go check it out. Which I learned from you talking with somebody else on Twitter last week that oh, some Steve of the Teller. Starlink satellites you can view with the naked eye. Yeah, that was crazy news to me too. Yeah. Fun stuff. Hmm. Interesting. All right, Paul, uh, before Tyler closes this out here, man, what else do you want to plug other than obviously your website? Hmm. Well, space, I do like to think about that. I got to see a Falcon Heavy launch, the one where they threw the yes. uh, roadster into space. I got to witness that with my older son. So it's one of those life memories, having seen a space shuttle as a kid. I'm like, I want to share this. And we got ourselves awesome. down to Florida and did that. So Tyler and Aaron, thank you for helping me uh, re-remember some fond memories there of thinking about space. And this year we Absolutely. might actually get you know, Americans launching uh, rockets out of this country again, rather than uh, I know, that's really exciting. from Russia to send people. That's was that kind your of exciting, first launch? Right? Was that your first yeah, launch to this- see? Um, oh, was that my, sorry, my first launch? Yeah, was that the first launch that you've seen in person? Well, the space shuttle in the uh, early 90s, late 80s, somewhere in there, was my first launch. It was like a 23-year-old something. I was helping an in-law move from Florida and saw the space shuttle on the launch pad. So cool. Got to the Fort Lauderdale airport, so I was taking off in four hours. Asked my sister-in-law, can I borrow your car to go see a rocket launch and then move you to back to Connecticut tomorrow? I'm like, sure. So I got lucky, and that was just life-changing. It was so loud, so much brighter. I just realized. TV is nothing on reality. Standing so, there and watching it, hearing it, that, rumble in your soul. I mean, it's just incredible. Yeah, the that first of time heart. you saw it, <laughs> in the crowd where you were, were people confused as to where the, the rocket might be or where it might come from and didn't want to miss it? Well, we're seven miles away in Florida the first time and then the time with my son. We're recently for Falcon Heavy, about five, six miles. So this, the sound, if you do the math, the, the rocket, you're right. It's up at like 45 degrees if you're sticking your arm up in the air. It's halfway between straight up and the horizon before you hear anything. So that's kind of weird, right? But it was clear that's weather awesome. both times, so we knew where it was. Oh, nice. I wouldn't say it's particularly large, unless you're you know, real press standing on top of that 400 foot plus NASA building, you're not really seeing it that close. And then when the boosters land, like Falcon Heavy has that cool habit of two of the boosters coming back to land, so that's cool. seven, eight miles off to the other side. So you're, not, you're seeing that, you're hearing them break the sound barrier, 
but you're not actually seeing them land because there's trees and buildings and stuff in the way when you're at Kennedy Space Center. So I'll admit neither experience is amazing unless you have actual press credentials and you're standing on top of that 400 foot building. Otherwise, yeah. stuff is in your way. Well, even but still, so cool. I, I went to go see one as well, and I'm with the crowd, oh, cool. and I had no idea. I was a kid. This was like I think a middle school or something. I didn't know what to expect, and I think okay. it was it was closer to later in the day. Um, and we just weren't quite sure people were trying to figure out which direction it was going to come up. And then all of a sudden it launched and took off. And like you said, you know, you can feel it, but it was, it was brighter than the sun. You know what I mean? Yeah, there, there was no way yeah. you would have missed it. No so, way in the world you would have missed it. So just yeah. two cents for anybody that ever goes to do this, you're not going to miss it. <laughs> <laughs> An HDR screen is not even close to looking at the flame of this thing, even from 70 miles away. Absolutely. Right. You remember that the rest of your life. It's still on my um, bucket list. I want to go see that, and I, I haven't had the chance as close as I've been yeah. to building the things. <laughs> I will say Falcon Heavy, a little less bright. The flame like burns cleaner. It's different than the shuttle, the solid boosters, um, and a little less rumble, but still impressive, and especially when the boosters return, you get that uh, double sonic boom. That's a pretty cool, cool thing. If you have, I'm, yeah. now in, your career, in your past, you've had that, right? A lot of people have never heard a sonic boom in their life. That yeah. was my son's first time to hear that, too. Yeah. Uh, it's just really cool. Yeah, I'd encourage, I got, I got to hear a sonic boom with a turkey. <laughs> when, when, and, sorry, this show is going way over here. Oh, but, man. So Tyler, you should work episode. at Lockheed Martin. No, no, no. no we're going to save that one for, a, we're gonna uh, save that one for another boom. episode. So, yeah, we'll, we'll bring it up. No, we'll, I got we'll one thing. I'll one tell thing you a story quick. about turkey booms. <laughs> yeah, you, you tell that one, but I will tell a different story real quick. So Tyler used to work at Lockheed Martin, and I would get random phone calls, voicemails from him. He would step outside, and it would, it would be a voicemail of him trying to talk, but his jets like just taking off and flying by. So all I hear is, I don't know. It was so awesome. I got the chance to work on the flight line for a while when they were doing uh, early F-35 testing, but it was obviously an active airstrip as well. So there were F-16s, F-18s, a lot of this is early days in the test flight program that you actually have to have um, support aircraft that fly with it. So for instance, the first time uh, Lockheed threw, flew their uh, stove, variants, the short takeoff vertical landing, uh, you know, BFO 1, 2, those are the, the tail numbers. Um, there were always, whichever branch of government is purchasing the, uh, the air, airplane, right, they bring support aircraft out to fly with it. And so you get to see those take off too. And it was tons of fun being down on the flight line for those operations. Part of my role last year was uh, getting to some military bases as well as some areas around D.C. Nice. where Custom, you know, people are still burning DVDs there, right, in that world. So yeah, oh, yeah, I've yeah. In the, yeah, True I've worked Air in that face in the past, and uh, Tyler okay. has so many stories. You, you <laughs> there. Yeah, awesome. that, that was the the week at, the week I met you. You got to hear a bunch yep. of my stories from back in the day. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. All right, Paul. We're clearly going to have to have you back on. Absolutely. And thank you so much for coming on. Oh, I got to cut this off because I got to go join a different call. But tell us, yep. tell the listeners how they can find you and uh, what what you want them to know. Yeah, sure. At Paul Brayern. So my name is me on Twitter. Um, pretty active there. Um, most evenings and weekends on the blogging, all about, you know, efficiency and storage and networking and backups, that kind of practical stuff that people use in their IT professions to hopefully move their careers forward. This is a thing a lot of people think about, especially when they're cooped up at home a lot lately. So that, that's me, Aaron, and, and my stuff. And then, um, you know, YouTube as well. The link's right there on my homepage for videos. Got a lot that's of awesome. Paul, thanks, thanks so much for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. And uh, that brings another Tech Breakfast podcast to the close, y'all. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. 
As always, if you've got any feedback, general topics that we missed, something you're passionate about, hit us up, let us know. Find us on Twitter, find us on, uh, on your favorite podcast app. Subscribe, please. We love to, to see numbers going up and people listening to this and enjoying it. And like I said, let us know what we're doing right. Let us know what we're doing wrong. And we'll catch you tomorrow. Thanks, Paul. See Thanks, Tom, Paul. That was fun. Thanks for having me. Good luck in your call, Aaron. <laughs> Thanks. That was a blast. Cheers, All buddy. right. See you. <laughs> Glad Bye. you enjoyed it. Thanks for inviting me. Bye-bye, guys.